the, t- you know, I got off, started the whole thing wrong, full, from the very start. And so it just stayed that way all weekend. So anyway, I hope you had a really good time for Thanksgiving. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your presence, God. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, thank you for his birth that we um, remember soon, Lord. But just thank you for his life, for his death, his resurrection, Lord, for the hope, Lord, that we have because of, of him. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for coming into our lives. For those of us who know you, Lord, we, we are so grateful, Lord, to know you, to be able to walk with you day by day, God. Through the difficulties and the challenges of life, Lord, we thank you that we don't have to go at it alone. Though at times we fear, we feel lonely, God, and distant, directionless, Lord, sometimes we really just need reminders of your presence in our life. And so, God, I pray this morning that as we look in your word, as we look at uh, the life of, of, of Abram, Lord, that we would be reminded and see ourselves and our own purpose, Lord, in his life and the things you fulfilled through him. Now you're working out through our lives, Lord. I pray you just... Connect some dots for us this morning as we look into your word and try to uh, understand your greater purpose you're trying to accomplish in our world. We ask for the ability to understand the scripture, Lord, and we pray against all distractions right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're looking at the, the, the Bible and what the Bible has to say about the significance of the stars, how God has used the stars in the Bible to communicate some different truths about um, life and about him. And so last week what we did is we looked at how the stars themselves, they point to God's existence. And we looked and we traced some of the passages that talk about how this, uh, the sky, the heavens declare some things about God. And they, they point to God's existence, the fact that he is real, he exists. And then he has communicated a great deal about his own nature through the stars themselves. And so, for example, Psalm 19, we looked at this passage, Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of of his hands. You know, we see some things. We see his power displayed in the heavens. We see <clears throat> his unlimited power. Verse 2, day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. Like we're learning things. They're communicating truths about God as we look up at the night sky. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Everyone, everywhere, gets a chance to just um, reflect upon the fact that someone made all this. Everybody everywhere gets a chance to see God's creation. There, you know, the idea is the stars, the sun, the moon, there's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. These, these created things are speaking about the existence of God. Um, I hope there was actually some clear nights this week. And last week we talked about the value of maybe getting out under the stars, taking some time, setting some time aside to get out under the creation. I hope maybe you had a chance to do that. Um, some of you indicated you wanted to do that on the connection card, and I hope you got a chance to, to take a walk outside or just to sit outside for a moment and to maybe pray, maybe read some scripture and just reflect upon who God is and, and how faithful he is, how concerned he is about our lives. Today what we're going to do is look at how the stars are actually Symbols of God's purpose and His promise in our lives. And so, what we're going to do is look at how the stars, by their sheer number, they communicate and they remind us that we are part of something much larger than just ourselves, just our own little lives. Sometimes we can feel pretty insignificant. 
with the circumstances we're going through, sometimes we can feel lost in the shuffle, and we can kind of lose sight of, why do I even exist? And so in the Scripture, there was a point where God used the stars to remind someone that he was a part of something much, much larger than just himself. And maybe for you, that's kind of where you're at. Maybe you need that reminder that your life exists for something beyond just you. The the truth is, God is trying to get at something far-reaching beyond even our own generation. And so he wants us to be part of something beyond just the immediate. He wants to give us meaning beyond the immediate. We need reminders. And here's why. This is in your outline, your listening guide. We need these kinds of reminders because it's easy to lose sight of our purpose in life. It's easy to just lose perspective. It's easy to lose focus, to lose hope. Um, We do this. We lose sight of what we're doing. Sometimes even in the midst of our day, we lose... We lose uh, focus on what we're trying to go about that day. Um, I've been sent on missions to the grocery store for, for my wife. You know, she, she says, hey, would you go to the store and pick up some sauce? And I get to the store, and I've forgotten totally what I was there at the store for. And I'll come back with some things, and it's usually not the right things. So I've learned to start writing down in very specific detail. I used to write down sauce, bananas. You know, can of this. But unless you're extremely specific and you go to the sauce aisle and you see there's chunky and salty and Italian and this herb and that pepper and all this stuff, and you're like, ah, is it cubes? Is it sauce? Is it pureed? Is it chunky? Is it. So you really need a lot of instruction. Sometimes you go to the store and you do that. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Or sometimes I've come back from the store and I've realized I brought back a bunch of things, but I forgot the one thing I was sent to the store to pick up. And many times that's like our lives. We get going in life, and we just kind of do things, and we don't really, we forget, and we don't connect the dots for why we're doing what we're doing. Sometimes we start getting into the Bible, we connect with God, and we start reading about our purpose, why He's created us, and we nail it down, and we go, okay, I understand what God wants me to do in my life. I have a new sense of purpose and direction. But then we sat out on our lives, and just we get busy, and we get distracted, and we lose, again, we lose sight of, what, what am I doing here? What was I supposed to do again? What was my life existing for? All of these things, even at a worship service, sometimes we get, God, sometimes, He just really communicates some truths that connect with where we're at in life. We write some things down, we get some direction, but then we walk away, and we forget all about it. That happened to a man named Abram. Abram was a man, just like you and I, who got you know, he lost sight of his purpose at different points. He lost sight, and he needed some reminders, and so God provided those helpful reminders to Abram. God made a promise to this man, Abram. We're going to look at the promise here. And the, the promise was tied to, to his purpose, his existence, his mission. And he got this promise at the age of 75. So imagine being 75, and then God telling you, here's an important purpose I want you to know and not lose sight of. And this is kind of what happens with, with Abram. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 12, verses two, three, uh, verses 2 and 3, just to get started. God said to Abram, he tells him to go to a land where he's going to direct him to this land. Verse 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation. He was 75 years old, okay, 75 years old. God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. The nation implies he's going to have kids. He doesn't have any kids. And at this point, his wife was beyond childbearing years. So he says, go to this land. I'm going to make you into a great nation. Leave 
you know, leave the land you're in, go to this new place, I'm going to make you into a great nation. The idea is you're going to have kids. Now, again, he's 75 years old. His wife is not quite as old as he is. He's 10 years younger, but she's still beyond childbearing years. God says this, then he says, I will bless you. He makes this promise, I will bless you. Like God, he's saying, he's going to, God's favor will be on him. Then he says, I will make your name great. People are going to know who you are. You're going to have a legacy. Then he says, and you will be a blessing. Now it's going to extend out beyond his life. He says, this blessing is going to, other people are going to prosper. God's favor will be on other people because of you. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, because Abram knew his life, he knew his age, he knew his wife, he knew the circumstances, the promise that God made didn't look very promising, but he still trusted God. He trusted God, he stepped out, he left the land, and he was doing this in response to a promise that God was making. And God was trying to work out a plan to clean a mess up that had been made in the world. Have you ever dropped something out of your refrigerator, like a jar of sauce or salsa or spaghetti sauce? Have you ever done that before? Anybody? Crash, just explode on the floor. Yeah, there's some, there's some heads. When it starts to fall, you're thinking, it's almost like it goes in a slow motion. You're like, no, don't fall. You're hoping you can catch it, but it just busts everywhere, glass everywhere, sauce exploding everywhere. And it takes you a while to clean the mess up. And even for weeks, you're finding like sauce splattered here and there. And you're like, how in the world? And you're trying to evaluate the trajectory of the sauce. That is some powerful, you know, prego or whatever you're serving. Well, and the big question I think we ask in that is, where do I even get started on cleaning up this mess? Where, where should I start? Sometimes things fall and we're like, oh my gosh, what a mess. I don't even know where to start. Well, I would imagine that God, you know, we talked about how God created everything. Think of how he must have felt when he created the world. And then, and then this, and sin enters the world and it just makes a mess of everything. We talked about how, in the fourth day of creation, God created the sun, the stars, these things. And then on the sixth day, God created man. Genesis you know, explains how God created man. In the image of God, they were created, male and female. The first man and woman, though, they blew past the boundaries that God had set around their lives. God set some boundaries said, don't blow past these boundaries. Don't, don't do this. And they, they, they disobeyed God. They sinned. And we all have followed in their footsteps. And from that very first sin, all humanity has been corrupted. And there is this, everything on earth has been tainted. And so you can just imagine the mess that sin has created. And God, as he observed what was happening, as things were unraveling, you can just imagine um, how he felt. The, The interesting thing is like, in Genesis chapter 3, he already began to wire in the plan to redeem his people, his creation. And so, in this promise that we see in Genesis 12, God is communicating to Abram, you're going to be part of that plan to bless the whole world, to bless all people on earth will be blessed through your life. He's working out a plan to redeem the world through a man named Abram. He had to start by building a new nation. He couldn't just take an existing nation that was following other gods and try to... He started with a man and he decided to, through his offspring, bless the earth. 
So Abram, giving you a lot of backstory and going to tell you the story, kind of high points of Abram's life, okay? And then we're going to tie it together as far as now. What does that mean for those of us who are trying to walk with God here and now? So Abram, he trusts God. He gets this direction. He trusts God and he, he steps out, heads to this land where God was leading him to. And he, he's kind of like a nomad for many, many years. He doesn't lay down roots. He becomes very, very wealthy. And because of his wealth, he was in constant danger of other people invading, you know, robbing him, taking his resources. And so at one point, people within his family were captured. His nephew Lot, Lot's wives and their children were all taken captive during a war of invading of some kings that were warring. So some of his family, some of Abram's family, as they're sojourning to the land where God was leading him, gets captured. And Abram, he's an old man. <clears throat> Ten years had passed. He goes, he marshals his troops, and he goes and he rescues. He takes over a hundred men. He rescues Lot and the people who'd been taken captive from these warring kings. And he comes back from this battle, probably beaten up, bruised, probably also pretty tired of wandering around, um, following the direction God had set. And he's probably losing hope. He's probably losing perspective, losing sight of God's promise and purpose. We read about it in Genesis 15. This is after that battle with these, these you know, rescue mission. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 15. After this, meaning after the rescue mission with the invading kings, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Now this is about ten years after he got that original promise. God says to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Now why would he say that? Because Abram was afraid. He was God, are you really going to keep your promise? Are you going to come through? You promised I would be a great nation. I, you know, that implies I'm going to have kids. I'm still childless. He says, don't be afraid. I'm your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate, because he become very wealthy, is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. He's saying, is all this going to go to this servant of mine? Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. Now again, ten or years later, after the original promise, Abram had no children. He'd become wealthy, but he had no one to give all that wealth to. No one to bless, to be a blessing to. And he's trying to figure out, he's discouraged, couldn't figure out, what's the point of all this? How are you going to pull off your blessing in my life? Then, here's what happens. God points to the stars as a reminder of his plan and his purpose. He tells him to look up. He's trying to get Abraham to see something beyond his own life. And so he points him at the stars. Genesis 15:5. He took him outside and he said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. He's reminding him. He's given a little more clarity about his future and about the impact of his life. And he's using the stars as a way to remind him of his greater purpose. Because they're innumerable. He's saying, look up at the stars if you can count them. So shall your offspring be. He's tying this to that earlier promise. I think we have a pretty hard time in suburban Southern California really getting our minds around this verse. When we look up at the stars, we're not all that impressed because we can hardly see any of them, right? We're like, yeah, that's nice. Stars, offspring, yeah few hundred out there. I mean, we can't really see all that many stars. In our galaxy, though, the Milky Way galaxy, we have, scientists say we have 200 billion stars in our galaxy. 
And according to scientists, there are hundreds of billions of other galaxies. And those galaxies also have hundreds of billions of stars. And so the best estimate that I found as far as how many stars are there in the entire universe was there's 10 to the 24th power of stars. Do we have any math people? That's, that's a 1 with 24 zeros, I think. Or maybe it's a 10 with 24 zeros. But either way, it's innumerable. We, we have so many stars. Now, I want you to take a, take a look at this picture here. Off to the left. So when he says, count the stars, so shall your offspring be. In our mind, we kind of have these different skies. Okay? So it says, over here to the far left is inner city sky. You can't even hardly, there's a little star I can see at the top. And it's got the suburban-urban transition, suburban skies in the middle. You can see some stars, but, you know, and then it's the rural sky over there, the third slide. And then the first one off to the far right is an excellent dark sky. You know, and I would imagine for us, when, when this verse is communicated, we're like, yeah, what's the big deal? Count the stars, your offspring's going to be like the stars. We're looking at it from a suburban perspective. We're looking at it with the obstructed view of the street lights, the city lights, the car lights, all these things that don't really allow us to see all that many stars. But Abram had an unobstructed view of the sky. This reminder was unmistakable. God was saying, hey, don't lose sight of what I'm doing in your life. Look up at the stars. And he sees this vast number of stars. And he's saying, your life is going to go far beyond just you. I'm going to do something through your offspring. It's well beyond your lifetime. And Abram, he trusts the Lord. He's not getting any younger, but it says in verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited, he credited it to him as righteousness. God granted him right standing because of his faith. Abram just decided to trust God. He trusted. What you see in Abram's life is a person who walked day by day by faith. He took the steps before him. Most of us, we struggle. I would say we all struggle with wanting to know what God, what are you doing down the road in my life? What are you going to do? I, I have this hope. You've communicated some things to me, and I, I have these things down in the distant you know, future that I want you to do. I've got my dreams tied to these things. But sometimes we struggle with just taking those day-to-day steps of obedience that God wants us to take. Abram's a really good example of someone who took steps of faith day-to-day. Every day, he's, okay, I'm trusting God here. Though he struggled... He struggled. He had that conversation. God said, look, I know you're wrestling with this, but I want to remind you of what I'm going to do through your life. Fast forward another 15 years. 15 years later, when Abraham Abraham is now 100 years old and Sarah is 90, God decides to bless them. He chose that time to bless them with a son. Abraham's 100, his wife is 90, and they have a son named Isaac. Isaac's name means, uh, literally means, he laughs. And in the, in the, after he's named Isaac, Sarah talks about how everyone's going to laugh when they hear the story of Isaac being born to her at her old age. And, uh, I mean, if we saw a 90-year-old lady popping out a son, we'd probably chuckle a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, how did that happen? You know, it's, I, I would imagine that she was being prophetic there. That probably did happen. So, but Isaac, he's this son of promise. He's, he's the hope of their future. And he is, in this little life, is wrapped up everything that God has said to Abram. I'm going to make you a blessing into a great nation. Everyone on earth, 
he had to have children for that to happen. And so God grants them a son. And then God gives Abraham a supreme test. And Abraham passes a major test of faith. He just passes this huge test of faith. And his life is kind of marked as a man of real faith. You read about him in the New Testament. He's a man of faith. He trusted God. He believed God. He took him at his word. He kept trusting him. Abraham is asked to sacrifice his son, his precious son Isaac, to God. God says, go to this mountain, bring your son who is now about eight years old, take him with you and bind him and sacrifice him there as an offering to me. And what Abraham does is he he does exactly what God tells him to do. He gets his son, they journey to this mountain. And the son's trying to figure out what's going on. Things aren't adding up for the son. He's obedient though. Abraham is obedient to just say, God, I'll trust you. He's trusting God to provide something else than for him to have to sacrifice his only son. Because he knows. I mean, this is the son of promise. Why would God make this tremendous promise to him and then ask him to offer it up to him in this way? What an obscure request. Sometimes when I hold up my children and I I look in their eyes, when I see them playing, when I see them smiling, I could see the future generation, and I, and I think about what God can do through their lives. Sometimes I see your children and other people's you know, families, and I see kids being raised in, godly, in, in a godly home, and their parents are trying to help their children nail down a real walk with God, and there's, there's this future hope in these kids in our church. And in other families you know, that are trying to raise their kid, their children in godly ways, and you look at these kids and you're like, man, everything is wrapped up. And I, some of the things I think about with my kids is, man, I hope they just, their faith far surpasses mine and my wife's. I hope they do things for God far beyond what I ever dreamed of doing. I hope they, they nail things down with God much, much earlier than I did. I hope they really yield their lives to God much, much earlier and just, you know, everything is wrapped up in these children of ours and, and no different for Abram, his son. The son of promise is being asked to, God has asked him to offer him up. And he passes the test. He, he goes up the mountain, he's offering up his son, and then God stops him. And after God stops him and provides a lamb to, or a ram to sacrifice, here's what God says, Genesis 22:15. The angel of the Lord called to Abram from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, he had already provided a way out. He says, I swear to myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, You've not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Again, he reminds him. Abram took another step of faith. God reminds him of the promise. He keeps reminding him of the promise. He uses the stars, the sand on the seashore. This idea of your your life is going to have an impact far beyond your years, your generation, what you can understand. There's all sorts of things we can learn from Abraham's life. Especially on how do I move forward in faith? How do I move forward when I'm losing sight of my purpose? When I'm distracted and struggling and discouraged and tired? How do I move forward? The first thing is this. When we lose sight of God's purpose and plan, remain faithful to God's direction. Just stay locked on. Be faithful to God's direction and trust Him to provide. That's what Abraham did. If you were to rewind and take a closer look at the test that God gave Abraham, here's a little bit of Rewinding in the story, this is what happens. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there. He built an altar to sacrifice his son. And there he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac. He ties his son up. 
He lays him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from your son, your only son. God provides a ram to sacrifice in place of his son. God wants to know that we will not withhold anything from him. See, this was a test in Abraham's life. The boy was never going to die. God, you know, this, you know, this wasn't like some cruel plan of God's. But God was building through this one man a culture of faith. Because through that man, Abram, grew a people of faith. We're a part of that. I'm going to look at a verse that ties us to Abraham's life. But since, since he would be the one on whom he would build his people, then God tested this man. He tested the quality of his faith. This is how it is with us. In spite of circumstances and adversity, if we're going to fulfill God's purpose in our life, then we need to trust him to provide. We, we need to, to step out in faith, trust him to provide as we walk with him. Secondly, remind yourself of God's absolute faithfulness. When you're put to the test or when you're just stuck and you can't see what's the next thing I do, remind yourself, bring the right things to mind when you're losing sight. Remind yourself, that's what the writer of Hebrews, he looks back at the the life of Abraham and he says this about him. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was unable to become a father. Why? This is the phrase to underline. Because he considered him faithful who made the promise. He considered God faithful. God was the one who made the promise. And what Abraham did was he brought to mind God's faithfulness. He recalled God's hand of faithfulness. Whenever promises are made, we always consider who made the promise. Someone makes a promise to us, we think, well, based on their track record, I might believe them. But in this case, God God was faithful. And Abraham brought the right things to mind, the faithfulness of God. This is something for us to remember. When we're stuck and we're struggling, bring to mind God's faithfulness, where you've seen Him come through and provide where, you, you, where you've heard about Him coming through and providing other people's lives. Bring that to mind. When you hit the wall in your circumstances, don't wallow in worry. Instead, recall what He's done. Another thing is, since we have the advantage of hindsight, we can kind of look back. We can also do this. We can remember the mission and the purpose that He's given to us. See, we get to participate in the, this promise that God made to Abraham. The promise that his life would be a blessing to all nations, we actually get to take part in that. Look at what Galatians says. Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Think about Abraham. Think about his life of faith. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. If we put our faith in God, if we are people who choose faith, we're Abraham's children. And then it says, The Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles... By faith. And he announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. When we choose to follow Christ, we become a part of something much, much larger than just here and now. Much larger than just our lives. Well beyond our neighborhood, well beyond our church, our city, our country. God is trying to get at the ends of the earth. And he he told Abraham about that promise. He said, through your life. And now... We're people of faith. We're children of Abraham, in a sense. We've chosen faith. God's carrying that promise out now through our lives. Acts 1.8, 
Jesus told to his followers, but you will receive power. This is what he says to the church. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. This is the idea of that that far-reaching promise God made to Abraham. It's something we're a part of. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. We're to share the story of what God has done in our lives. We're to share the story about what God has done through Christ Jesus. Both in Jerusalem. That means like where you're at. In Judea, Samaria, the outer regions, and then to the ends of the earth. We're a part of a far-reaching mission to reach an unreached world. I want to show you a brief video here. It kind of talks about the focus of our Christmas offering, or a part of our focus for our Christmas offering. But there are billions and billions of other people. There's two and a half, over two and a half billion of unreached people in parts of the world where they have little to no access to the message of Jesus. And so we get to take part in that. And so I want to show you this video on that. talking about people who are lost and don't know the Lord. We're talking about people who are lost and don't know the Lord, and there's nobody who speaks their language that can tell them. There is no church that exists. There is no, uh, not a large enough group of people within that people group, or within that tribe or nation, to, to reach themselves. That's an unreached people group. Here at the Aaron Shrine, as I ask people, why are you here? They've all said they're asking for help. for God for me transforms all of life and all of, all of the relationships in which we're involved. I think that the way in which we treat one another because of our view of who God is is going to determine just how effective we really are because Christ said it's by our love that they'll know that we are his disciples. I never dreamed that I would have the opportunity to share the gospel to children in my classroom and then to be able to do it on the other side of the world. Every year I've been here, someone has come forward to accept Jesus. Those are the kind of things that make my heart beat. God's heart is for all peoples of the earth and to bring everyone into his kingdom. Sometimes we just need a reminder that God is trying to reach people all across the world. There are people that are unreached. There are people that go and they're sent as missionaries to go and to live among unreached people groups, to take the gospel in regions that have never heard the message of Jesus before. We, God wants us to be part of that. For our Christmas offering, we've got a three-focus or three-part focus to our Christmas offering. And the first part is the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And it's 
50% of what comes in from our Christmas offering. We're going to begin receiving a Christmas offering next Sunday. We've been asking you to begin to pray about this. Pray about giving beyond your regular tithes and offerings. We'll have separate ways so that you know how to indicate gifts that are going towards this. Um, but whatever comes in, 50% of it will go to the missionary to support the missionaries who are um, scattered around the world and that they're being used by God to reach Especially in those regions, we want to specifically highlight some of the people who are reaching out in unreached places. And so, also, we're going to be doing something to support the UC Riverside Christian Challenge College Ministry. UC Riverside, one of the most diverse, it's the most diverse UC, um, you know, University of California. It's the most diverse in our state, one of the most diverse in the in the nation. And so, it's a real opportunity because. A lot of campuses, or some campuses, the world is there. And so you have an opportunity to impact the world through supporting work that God is doing on campuses. And then also just kind of planning for future outreach beyond our church, trying to reach people in our city that are not churched. And so that's the focus of our Christmas offering. And the offering is one way that you can do something beyond just yourself. Giving to that allows you to reach out beyond your own life. One final thought here is, Respond by doing what God wants you to do right now. In Abraham's life, again, he was tested with next steps, taking steps of faith day by day. So there may be some things you feel like God wants you to do with your life, and it's well in the distance. And that's, that's good if God's giving you a sense of, of vision and some dreams about what he wants you to do for him. But if you're ignoring some of the steps that are right before you, then God doesn't tend to give clarity out there. We want a lot of future direction, but he tends to just say, lock on, be faithful right now where you're at. If you skip to that very last slide, you'll see it says, tomorrow's direction and clarity hinges on today's obedience. There's some things God is trying to do through our lives right now, through the way we parent, through the way you relate to people, through the way you are on the job, the way you relate in church life, through the way you steward your resources, through the way you talk through the way you clear things up, God is trying to do something right now through our lives. And we want a lot of, we really do want insight into the future, but God's saying, hey, just lock on to what's right before you. Lock on and be faithful right here, right now. That's the example I think that Abraham gave. Is He was a man of faith. Day by day, he stepped out, believed God, kept trusting Him, kept obeying. God used the stars in his life to just remind him, hey, your life is about something much larger than you. Anytime he needed a reminder, I, I would imagine Abraham would look up and say, aha, I can see it. I remember what I'm part of. I remember I'm part of something bigger. I think God can use the stars for us in the same way as we look up to just say, you know what, my life is not, it seems insignificant, it seems small, but God, if I'll cooperate with him, he wants to use my life for something much, much further. So let's go to the Lord and pray as the band comes forward. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Lord, for the story just as we're reminded of, maybe for some a real familiar story, for others maybe a brand new story of a person's life who trusted you day by day. God, they struggled just as we do. They had doubts, they had questions, they had rough days just like we do. And Lord, you reminded them of their existence, their purpose, God, that you were trying to do something through their lives. Ultimately, that you'd give an opportunity for the world to be redeemed through your Son. Thank you, Lord, for your son Jesus. We pray, God, that if there's any that are here that have not yet decided to follow you and surrender their lives to you, God, I pray that they would take a step forward 
today and that they would yield their lives to you, Lord, that they'd have a conversation to learn more about what that means, to get clarity, God. We love you. We, we ask, Lord, that you'd help us to obey you with the things right before us, right here, right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to receive our offering. And if you would, um, as you're preparing for that, if you would also take out this connection card. And on the back, you'll notice there's some next steps tied to today's message. You might consider writing something down on here, which is, the first one is, possible next step is, obey God right now by, and maybe there's something you feel like, you know, I am, I'm kind of locked on to some future dreams and hopes, but I'm maybe neglecting some things that are right before me that I know God wants me to focus on. I know God has already asked me to obey Him in, and I'm struggling to do it. Maybe you need to write a word there that symbolizes a step of obedience, something before you. Another next step is just just saying, hey, I want to give something to the Christmas offering and then be praying about what that will be and just even asking God for creative ways to to come up with resources to do that. And so, I don't know, last year we talked about some people did some things in order to, they sold some things in order to give or they they. You know, they decided to trim what they were going to be giving family-wide in order to be able to give to people. So I just encourage you to pray through that. The last thing is, if you're here and you've not yet decided to follow Christ, and you're at that point where you're ready to yield to Him, we'd love to know about that decision. And we want to connect you with someone who can have a conversation with you to really understand and clarify what that really means, give you some things that you can um, look through and learn about how to take some steps forward. So... I want to thank you for coming and ushers you can go ahead and receive our offering and if you're a guest we just want to thank you for worshiping with us we don't want you to feel any pressure to have to give in the offering this is something that is supported by those who call this church their home and so I want to thank you members and attenders for giving faithfully here at Orange Crest Community Church let's continue worshiping This morning, I'm uh, really excited to be able to share a song that my wife and I wrote together a couple weeks ago. Um, Josh, as he was planning for the series, let me know what it was going to be on. And it's just a, a subject that I get really fired up about. I just I love the stars. I love God's creation. Um, just being reminded uh, of who he is and his greatness as we look up each night. And so I just pray that um, as we sing this, that you guys are just met right where you are if you're struggling knowing what God's next step is for you, what your next step is spiritually, I just pray that you would be blessed by the songs we sing. So, um...
Sure as the stars shine brightly, you're here. Those are closing in, and my patience has worn